0: You are listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of The Goldfinch. We're just trying to build little bits of the puzzle. What do you remember about the incident?
1: I like this one.
0: Look at the map. Where were you when it happened? I don't remember. When you came around, did you see people? Yes.
2: What were they doing?
3: They were dead. We are an awful lot alike, Theo. What we both went through.
1: The sooner we get back to a normal routine, the better.
0: Albert and Blackwell. It's like he sent me exactly where I needed to be and to who I needed to be with. Is your mother dead too? Yes. I know you were there, and I know what else was in that room. The goldfinch. Before
1: and after. Everything is before and after. In the middle is the painting.
4: Still miracle after miracle, it survives.
2: There's something important I have to tell you.
4: Until you,
1: is it lost?
3: Even the tiniest things mean something.
0: It takes an not to Who took the pain?
1: Maybe sometimes good can come from bed. It was my
3: fault she died.
0: I would have given it back. All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for The Goldfinch, and the story is as follows. Theodore Decker was 13 years old when his mother was killed in a bombing at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. The tragedy changes the course of his life, sending him on a stirring odyssey of grief and guilt, reinvention and redemption, and even love. Through it all, he holds on to one tangible piece of hope from that terrible day. A painting of a tiny bird chained to its perch. The film is starring Ansel Elgort, Oakes Feagley, Anarin Bernard, Finn Wolfhard, Sarah Paulson, Luke Wilson, Jeffrey Wright, and Nicole Kidman. It is directed by John Crowley and it is written by Peter Strahan. Join me for this podcast review. I have Katie Schaefer. Hello, hello. Dan Baer.
2: Hello, everyone.
0: Dan Howlett. Hello. And Josh Parham. Hello, hello. Okay, so The Goldfinch. Uh, First movie that I think maybe on this podcast we can say is our quote-unquote true Oscar contender of the season that we are discussing. And just like a podcast out there called This Had Oscar Buzz, I'm sure this will be one of those movies that we will be talking about as one that... Yeah, it did have Oscar buzz, uh, and then people
1: <laughs> saw it. <laughs> yeah. As I was watching it, that, This Had Oscar Buzz was in my head the whole time. Like, this is the definitive This Had Oscar Buzz movie.
0: So, plug for those guys. Great podcast over there. <laughs> really, really enjoy it. Uh, definitely got Billy Lynn's long halftime walk vibes to this one, downsizing. I mean, You know, it's the kind of thing that on paper, it's almost too good to be true, right?
3: Well, on paper, the book won a Pulitzer, so...
0: There you go, exactly.
2: (laughs) Maybe that was the problem.
0: And the director is the same guy whose last film was Brooklyn, which we all love. We got a cast here that is pretty solid all around. Uh, You know, Oakes Feagley, who really, really impressed a lot of people in Pete's Dragon. Ansel Elgort coming off of Baby Driver. And a few others right now. He's pretty hot at the moment. Then, you know, supporting cast of people. Luke Wilson, who every now and then likes to remind people that, you know, he's here and he does stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Nicole Kidman. How can you resist? Jeffrey Wright. We fucking love Jeffrey Wright. He's great. Film Wolfhard. I I mean, he's doing something different here. Listen, there 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 are things (laughs) happening in this movie. All right. There are things going on with this. Maybe too much going on. I want to hear from all of you. Dan, I want to start off with you because you actually saw it uh, at its world premiere in TIFF. And I just yeah. want to get uh, from you, like, what was the vibe in the room for this one, uh, seeing as how, you know, the world was experiencing it for the first time?
2: Well, <laughs> it was kind of like everyone in the room was holding their breath, I think. Um, certainly in the lead up to this the film itself actually beginning um and after that i don't know it was hard to read the room and i think people audiences are going to have very differing reactions to this one it, it oh lord afterwards there was respectable applause
1: yeah,
0: like the, uh, we got to applause because if we don't, it's weird, so.
2: Yeah, and, and, okay. <laughs> and <in> a, <laughs> along with some people who were, like, genuinely applauding. Like, you could definitely feel that there were some people there who definitely had a stronger reaction to it and some people who had a more negative reaction to it.
0: But you know what this is, in my opinion? This is like a good movie for someone who doesn't watch a lot of movies. Yeah. If that, it, it, that, 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 that That's like the best way I can put it. Like, I feel like if I showed this to my parents, they would turn around and be like, yeah, it was nice. Yeah, it was good. Is, is that the nice way of saying this is a good movie for people with no taste? Sure. I don't want to <laughs> throw my parents that much under the bus here, this but a good you know. <laughs> movie
2: for people who like to think they have taste.
1: That's a good way to put it. I like that
0: too. Everything
2: totally about agree. it. Like there are good things about it. Like if you like if someone wanted to say that they really loved this movie, I would look at them a little crazy, but then I would go like I okay, because you may only care about the acting, and the acting is pretty dang good all the way through. Or you may just care about how a movie looks and the production design, costume design, cinematography, all great. The problem is that none of that comes together into something worthy of all those individual elements.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely touch upon that in a second. Why I, why I think that is, and we'll see what you guys all think. Of course, uh, Katie, what about you? Uh, thoughts, initial thoughts on the gold bench.
3: Well, I'd heard that it had mixed reactions. We shall say, um, <laughs> and I. That's
0: very, very generous of you. I
3: know, and going into it, and I saw this at like one of my uh, local film groups screenings. So a lot of the pe- people who were there, the kind of people we're talking about here, and I'll tell you, they really enjoyed it. There was a, there was even a little bit of applause at the end, and I was like, okay, guys, that's okay. Mm. But I, f- I found the movie parts like everyone is saying parts of it are good, but. This story is too meandering. It's too long by about half an hour, 45 minutes. And it never really comes together, which times I was like, oh, I'm really fascinated by what's going on here. But generally, I was just like, well, stuff's happening on the screen. I guess this is a movie. So (laughs) it was I also had, shall we say, mixed reactions to it.
0: All right. All right. Josh Parr.
4: Well, I think I would agree with the sentiment here that this movie does have elements in it that are good. It is a handsomely made film, but I think what it comes down to it is that this is so kind of empty to me. And while watching it, I actually had this feeling like it was a truncated story. Like, I haven't read the book, but I've heard the book is this very big and long, sprawling tale. And you can just get that feeling from watching it. You feel like there are sections that the stories just glossing over that feel like crucial information that you need to get a sense of these characters and combining that with this laborious pacing to the film was just, there's a really deadly combination that even though it had elements that I liked, like some of the performances, it just really kept me at a distance from engaging in the story. And to me, that was the biggest problem with it. So yeah, it's not an all out disaster, but it's
1: really not that good either. Yeah.
0: All right, all right. Dan Howitt. Welcome back to the podcast, Dan.
1: Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, and what a what a movie to come back with. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the movie just, I think Josh was kind of hitting the nail on the head. It just feels aimless. Uh, so much of this movie is... Interesting to watch this child who Oakes Fegley does amazing in his That's role. Um, yeah. He is yeah. the best performance in the film, I, I think. And uh, and so it's great watching him just kind of experience life. But it just feels like, where are we going with this? You know, it, it the movie opens with with the older adult uh, character Theo, and and it never feels like it ties together. I don't know why we're watching this kid just do drugs and get abused by his dad and little things like that. Like it just never feels like it's going anywhere for like two hours. And then it starts to go somewhere towards the end, but it's too late to make me care. So it just just feels painfully aimless. I like that, painfully aimless, because
0: (laughs) for me, while it's very, very pretty to look at at times, it's even pretty to listen to, because I think the score is actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. There are some good performances also sprinkled throughout it's also helpful that Oaks Vigley is primarily the real lead, I think, of this movie, even more so yeah, I mean. than Ansel Elgort, yeah. who their screen time is not 50-50 whatsoever. And I'm thankful for that because I still don't think Ansel Elgort has truly impressed me as an actor yep. till, still to this day. So there are some elements that I do find captivating throughout. My issue is that, okay, two and a half hours this very sprawling, highly detailed story about this kid's life. What is it trying to tell me? What is the ultimate takeaway of this film? And for its final message to be boiled down to the most simplistic message that we all already know, there's nothing profound here. Nothing lasts. Shocker. (laughs) We're all going to die.
3: And then they spell it out for you.
2: Yeah, like...
0: Oh, and, and, and 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 then like, but then sore. there's like this weird message too of like nothing lasts except, well, what exactly? Beauty, Art? Art, beauty, love, friendship, family. I don't fucking know. Like the movie doesn't really clearly spell it out, and it just becomes like this big mess of emptiness. And I felt absolutely nothing when yeah. this movie was over except maybe
1: relief that it was over. <laughs> I haven't read the I haven't read the book either, but I feel like like you said I don't know what this film was going for other than that nothing lasts forever like great. I feel like there were so many themes that they could have touched upon, um, you know, holding on to past trauma, things like that and and it just never did anything interesting with any of that. It's just watching this child grow up, which has moments of of being intriguing, but yeah, it just never goes anywhere.
3: And it yeah, feels like think it's that's... trying to at certain points. Like there's these moments in the movie where it feels like, especially in his relationship um, with Pippa, yes. like that it's, it's trying to make commentary on trauma in life, but it never really does. It never actually commits to telling that story. Yeah. And so those little branches just feel so frustrating to watch.
2: It, it's the most frustrating thing because, like, am, am I the only one here who's read the novel?
0: I think so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. I don't read, so <laughs> there's even a rumor that's going around that says I can't read. Yeah, I'm illiterate,
2: so I always forget that about you, Matt.
0: Um Yeah, I don't read books.
2: <laughs> um so it's very frustrating because there this should never have been made into a movie. Like,
0: oh, it doesn't work good. as a movie.
2: The, oh. the, the the book it it is it deal it deals with so much and like and yeah like the the whole thing about you know surviving grief and trauma especially as a young person is is there and it's present but there it the the fact that it's a novel it can go into these things so much more and so much deeper and touch on a lot of things.
0: Like, well, yeah. I got the sense while watching it, like, okay, this is very literary. And I can imagine yes. that if I was reading this, yeah. um, this would have a more profound and personal connection to me probably yeah. because it's making me think about a lot of different themes. Yeah. Um, I believe it was just now, correct me if I'm wrong, Katie, yeah. who just said though, that it doesn't it doesn't ever commit to its theme. Yeah. Yeah. And it does. not And that is the issue here. It doesn't like nail the hammer into the piece of wood. It doesn't hit the ball out of the park. It doesn't. It gets up to the batter's box. And it, and it swings, bugs, but it, it misses, bugs. and the bat swings around the guy's head and hits him in the back of the head. That's basically what ends up <laughs> happening here.
2: The, the, <laughs> they, they make the. Admir- I think they made an admirable choice. And like, okay, we're going the of all the themes, the one that like our big theme is this talking about grief and trauma and surviving and how the different ways we do that. And that's great. That's fine choice. Don't know if I would want to watch people grieve for two and a half hours, but okay, and. The problem is it focuses most of its screen time on character stuff, but it keeps the plot of the book relatively mm-hmm. intact. And you get to that last act and you're like, whoa, wait. What the hell is that,
3: going
2: on? Oh, that was paper? Rough. Like, what is I-, I thought
0: we were heading for a sharp left turn into full-blown Razzy territory. Like, I thought that he was going to all of a sudden now get mixed up in a more direct way into this like crime world. Like, obviously, he's more of a innocent bystander that just I happens mean, to be caught in dude. it. <laughs> he in self-defense. I guess. <laughs> but I, I, I expected it to go a little bit more jump-the-shark campy, to tell you the truth, because I'm like, this movie is just at a point where uh, it could go in so many different directions right now.
2: Those Russian accents weren't
3: camp enough oh, for you. Gosh. <laughs> oh God. Poor Finn Wolfhard. Hey, you know what? I got here's
0: what I will say in regards to that. Okay, because this is leading into something here, I I I guess that I definitely wanted to chat about, which is I do think that the casting in this movie is really well done. In the sense of, you know, to have Finn Wolfhard, uh, who has never shown before that he could do this accent. I'm not sure for you guys if he was able to prove that he could do this accent.
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did say at the q and after the screening that I was at that it was the first time he had ever done this accent.
0: So. But, I, but I appreciate the effort at least because it's a hard accent to nail. What they got right though was the actor that they cast as his uh, present self. Um, and you're in uh, Bernard. I fully bought that those two actors were the same person and ditto for Oaks and Ansel Elgort, especially yeah. like oh, yeah. Oaks Feigley. I don't know if he just studied Ansel Elgort's like other movies or what, but man, did he like nail mm-hmm. his, just his facial expressions. <laughs>
1: I was, I of, was like, so impressed fantastic. by it. Yeah. And I'll say that he, he really did upstage Ansel Elgort. Uh, I, I agree with you, Matt, it, Elgar's just never impressed me. And, and here he he can't hold a candle to to the child actor playing his younger self. I mean, he he totally I don't feel the emotion that we've seen. We've seen this kid grow up and all this horrible stuff that happened to him as a kid. And I don't feel any of that in the adult performance. So that was a huge disappointment.
0: I think the movie comes alive a little bit too. Um, whenever Oakes feegley is like sharing the screen with some of these other uh, actors, obviously, you know, I talked before about Finn Wolfhard, and I think the performance there will be a bit divisive. But I actually think for example like the character work and the friendship that they form as kids might be the highlight of the movie for me.
2: Yeah. That yeah. section of the movie was where like where I was where I was starting to feel the length of the film but also like I I liked watching that section. Yeah. You know like it was it was in well, it wasn't enjoyable enjoyable but like it was I I was okay. Like even though I felt that it was long I was engaged with what was happening.
3: I felt like it was um, genuine. That's the part of the movie that feels the most genuine and realistic. And it really falls into it. The relationship and these kids are such good actors Mm -hmm. that they are able to just inhabit these roles in a way that feels very realistic. And they're doing things that are really hard and damaging for children of that age, you know, and Yeah. yeah, But I'm not going to lie, I knew people at that age who did that stuff, and they come across very, very much as those children.
0: It's just a shame that, unfortunately, like for such a good plot line that I was really engaged with while watching, it then ends with this moment that y- you can kind of see it coming, the way that the relationship develops. But when it happens, the movie never re-explores that and yeah. i i was so yeah. perplexed by that i mean like to me it's like yes this is a natural progression and maybe it is somewhat influencing ansel elgort's performance a little bit i think in terms of his relationship with um oh uh, who's the who's the the person he's supposed to be marrying
2: oh the um uh, nicole kidman's daughter Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Whatever her name is, it's it's
0: like forgettable characters left and right here. But then he also has this attachment still to Pippa. So I'm like sitting here thinking to myself, okay, is he repressing his sexuality or was that just something that just happened? And there's unanswered questions here. And I was like, I don't understand why I was thrown in
1: all of a sudden now. You know? Yeah, I think that's a more interesting question than the again. I don't know how the book handles that, but I don't think this movie really cared about that that part of the plot at all because it was so tacked on. I think a more interesting storyline would be if this kid was struggling with his sexuality or if it's just a one-sided thing where Finn Wolfhard's character's struggling and Theo doesn't know what to think. You know, that's more interesting and it never goes anywhere they, close to that.
2: They do go into that a lot more in the
1: book and it's... That makes God damn it. Yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I, I, I figured like, that the series and it would have been so much better. And that that is really my problem with this movie is that it you get this sense that there is so much nuance to mm-hmm. the story yeah. that this movie just really bypasses so much of that. And even not reading the book, you feel that. There are so many moments where I just feel like man, there's like room for so much more exploration. And even for a movie that's two and a half hours, it just feels like a truncated story that you cannot get into. And I desperately wanted that for so many of these
3: characters. Totally, Josh. I felt that exact same thing. I was like, this book is probably really good. And I swear, if anything good comes out of this movie, it's that I will probably read the book. That's the
1: thing. You can feel all of that throughout the movie. Throughout the movie, I was like, this is so close to being a good movie. It, I can, it has all the parts. And I, like, I, I want this to be good because it's not trash. I, I, this movie is not garbage. It's not a gigantic miss. It's just so close and never gets there.
0: It's really disappointing. I think it's a gigantic miss because of the talent involved sure. and the length that it took to ultimately tell me nothing, I think that's maybe why some people are being very harsh, myself included on it. Um, If it was like a 90 minute movie, and I I think I would be just a tad bit more forgiving. But the fact that you wasted two and a half hours to tell me something that was just something I could have gotten in so many other movies, so many other literary works. I mean, God,
4: the ending is also laughably bad. I think that yeah, help
0: either. that's true. <sighs> no. Well, OK, so uh, things I like. Um, I did like Luke Wilson and Sarah Paulson when they were brought into the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I like the conflict that it brought into the story. Yes.
4: Sarah Paulson it- probably actually is like one of my favorite performances in this film. And I felt so bad for her. I felt like the movie of everybody that it did waste. I felt like it wasted her the most.
1: Yeah, probably.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had think no if, nuance.
1: I think if Luke Wilson's part was a little bit more substantial, I think it could have been something special. Because we I, I, I can't remember seeing a Luke Wilson performance that I was, you know, genuinely impressed by and, and I thought he did some really good work. You know, that whole scene with the phone call. Oh, that was um, phenomenal. That was really Great. good. And so I wish that know. might be the best scene actually in the whole movie, maybe. Yeah, it was yeah. very good. I wish he had more to do.
0: They agreed. Especially like his freak out at the end too. And it's like, you could hear him from houses away still yelling. I was like, damn. I was like, this is like, there are elements here that as I'm watching it, I'm like, there's some good stuff. It's just a shame that it all couldn't come together to formulate this like cohesive whole. I mean, even the stuff with Jeffrey Wright too. like when When Ansel Elgort like severely uh, disappoints him in one scene and Jeffrey Wright doesn't even... Have like a big standing monologue. He just goes
2: silent because Jeffrey Wright does not need a big standing monologue. Exactly, too, right? that, he's, he's
0: such a great actor that you can yes. feel the weight of all that emotion in the most subtlest of of gestures. I I, I think that he does a really good job with his limited screen time. Yeah. It, it's just a shame that a lot of these good actors are doing good work. And what's mind boggling is that even with two and a half hours, you couldn't have any of those performances get elevated up a notch. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're focusing on <laughs> the most uninteresting actor in the movie. I hate to break it to you, Ansel. <laughs> Yeah. And mm-hmm. Nicole came also, too, to a certain extent, I, I felt that even though, uh, her, of course, her presence is always lovely in everything that she does, um, I thought she was incredibly bland in this. And I really did not get any sense of th- the depth of her talent that I normally get, even in worse movies, worse roles. She just seemed so unsubstantial. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm yeah i actually loved nicole kidman in this really I, I think it may be more a fault of casting as opposed to anything that she is specifically doing because looking back and i can't really point to any moment where i'm like oh the acting no you know? there's no moment she, like that here like, for it was her. like, but, really but hard to read yeah but that's i think that that's sort of the whole point of the character.
0: Well, I'm actually gonna go a step deeper than that. Did anybody else get creepy vibes yes, in how much was she was say. obsessed with
2: the uh, I thought it was gonna get sexual and I was like
1: well I did
0: too. It Weird. scared
2: me. There I I just found that like she was she was so remote, like very much sort of Ice Queen Nicole Kidman. But then there, there was underneath that, this warmth that I... I I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by her performance in this. Like, I, I'm not sure if she's great or she's doing a lot.
0: I'm actually more fascinated by the convincing makeup job they do on her in this that actually, to oh. me, looked so realistic oh. that it blew everything that Destroyer did out of the water for me. The wigs.
2: <laughs> the
0: wigs. They, like, put, like, this makeup on her neck for, like, her wrinkles and the saggy skin and everything. And I was like, my God, that looks so convincing. Uh, I can imagine Nicole Kimmon looking like this in 65, 75 years because she just doesn't age, period.
4: (laughs) You you know, I I do want to say maybe just to stick up for Nicole Kimmon just a little bit. I do think that the reserved icy nature of her performance is something that I do buy in that character because she is somebody in this, you know, very upper middle or upper class, you know. Yeah, exactly. That waspy Something that I can believe, and it would be the shell to cover up a more vulnerable interior. The problem is that... The pills? Oh, my God. Yeah. The problem is that this movie doesn't give us enough context of what their relationship with that entire family is to the main character. So it just feels like we get introduced to it, get the very broad strokes, and then we're gone when there's so much more we could get from that storyline. And I think that's what leaves us so much... Watching uh, wanting so much more from that performance. I don't necessarily think she's bad, but the movie needed more time with the with that setting and those characters to get us really invested.
3: As most of this movie, that is the pro that is the biggest exactly. problem with this movie in yeah. general is that we don't get enough time to invest in anyone, and it's that is where most of the side characters suffer. And that's why I think. That the problem with Nicole Kidman is the problem with Sarah Paulson is the problem with uh, Ashley Cummings who plays Pippa like we just never get enough time. And so unless you have the right scenes like Jeffrey Wright does, you don't get enough to show off your skills. And so it all feels like, oh, we're almost there. Nope. Nope. You cut it short before I can Uh really connect with either the characters, the story, you know, anything
0: yeah. I mean, like I was saying before, I was expecting, like, when we got to the third act, I was like, this movie better have, like, a laughably bad twist or something that's going to at least, at, at least be, like, serenity level so bad that that's going to justify, A, the bad reactions <laughs> oh, to this, God. and B, maybe just give me something to chuckle about once it's over. Like, God. I was kind of hoping, and I know this is going to sound weird, but I was kind of hoping that when they were in the museum... That he would turn to his mom at one point and say something like, um, mom, would you mind getting me like a glass of water or I don't know, something, something that like deliberately he could pinpoint as it's my fault that my mother died that day. And it wasn't. It was just we just happened to be there that day. And it's like, come on, do, you're really beating yourself up that much over. I, I don't know. Like,
2: well, well, I, he got in trouble at school and they had to go see the principal and they were but that's smiling. life.
0: Like, one thing like, it's a yeah, domino effect. One thing yeah. affects the other. And you can't pinpoint exactly all of your yeah. grief onto all of that because that's just a sequence of life
2: events. But well, that well, that's the point.
4: Yeah. When that happens, when you're like 12, 13 years old and you don't have a figure in your life telling you that it's not really your fault. I mean, I don't really fault the movie for that necessarily. I actually think that's an interesting topic to discuss. The problem is that the movie doesn't really go that deep into it. But that's
0: what I mean. uh, Yeah. Yeah.
4: But I do think this idea that this kid who has all this guilt about feeling like he caused his mother's death and when obviously, yes, it wasn't his fault. We all know that. But internally, in his mind, he has nobody to correct him. That is an interesting thing to explore. The movie doesn't do a great job with it. But I do think that initial idea, I do think there is value in talking about that.
3: Right. And that is a thing that children do. Mm -hmm. That is totally how children react to trauma, especially this kind, is they find a way to blame themselves, even if they are patently not at fault. And you can tell them all day long, no, honey, this is why you're not. You didn't do anything wrong and they will continue to find a way because that's the only way they can deal with that. And you have to find a different way for them to cope with it. And that would have been an interesting way to go or the way they tried to go where it's like, well, what happens when you don't get that support and no one is there to help you? And, but they, again, they never really explore that. And that would have been interesting.
0: I guess maybe because like when we got to the third act and I was like, wow, we're at the end of this movie and I feel like I haven't had either a really, really big, meaningful takeaway with the story or um, some sort of a plot development that I can at least one day look back on and be like, oh, that was pretty crazy. Remember that? Instead, this movie just gave me a whole bunch of nothing. And you're right, Katie, like the idea is there. And I understand that it is something that is worth exploring. And it is definitely also something, too, that we could talk about for another half an hour on the show, I think. Not pertaining to the movie, but just in general, it's just a shame that we would have to do that. And the movie does not do that for us. It's, <laughs> yes. like, it's just so yeah. weird. I, like, I can't.
1: Dan, I wanted to ask you, <sighs> since you read the yeah. book, um, towards the end when we start when you get that uh, revelation of how he got the ring from what's his name blackwell um yeah. that whole scene played as like magical realism almost as if it was like some cosmic thing changed the re- the course of his life was there any sort of i don't know magical or like you know s- s- some s- anything like that in the book at all it just didn't feel real it felt like a I... whole other thing like a dream almost
2: I think the not so like the plot no but her writing has kind of a I would say like a dreamy kind of quality to it
3: ethereal
2: about that yeah yeah okay. it it's it's sort of like you know the haze of memory and the haze of you know um, just the, the actual haze with all the smoke yeah. and yeah. stuff and that and in that way like there is but it's not really magical realism Hmm. i i would call it the way i call it like there's a lyricism to her uh the way she writes in this novel that god bless him roger deakins pretty much gets in the visuals but unfortunately the script falls completely short on
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we can all agree that, you know, of course, with Deacon's behind the camera, it's got some visual flair to it at times. I don't think it's one of his best shot movies, if I'm going to compare it to, you know, his own work. Um, Because compared to, obviously, other people's work, it's like, damn, like there's no reason this movie needs to be this pretty. But Jesus Christ, (laughs) you know,
3: right? That pool scene with the two of them is with the black background. Yes. Oh, and they should never have chosen that picture for the poster because it looks really yeah. bizarre. <laughs> yeah, but it, when it's happening, when as it's happening, I was like, "Oh, here's the poster picture," and I was like, "Jesus Christ, <laughs> this is so gorgeous! <laughs> How did they fail making a picture out of this?"
0: No. Yeah.
4: yeah, even subpar Roger Deakins is better than ninety percent of the movies out there. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Okay, I'm up to uh, final thoughts. So, anything that we did not talk about with the goldfinch. Uh, Katie, why don't we start off with you?
3: Hmm. I want to say that I, we didn't get too much into the third act and I won't get into the plot of the third act, but it goes completely out of nowhere
2: almost.
3: And (laughs) there, but there were scenes in it. And I think I I like Elgort more than you you guys generally. I think, Uh, I think he can do really well with subtle performances. And in my opinion,
0: I, I think he'll be good when he gets older. And he has to play subtle. You know what I mean?
3: He'll, I agree. He will improve as he ages. Um, But I think that scene where he finds out this big secret and he's reacting to it is one of the more powerful scenes in the movie for me. But then all of that is lost as it goes through this weird caper thing. And I think that was probably the most disappointing part of it. I was like, okay, we're going to take a big, huge leap here. And now we're going into this weird... Crime stuff.
4: Oh, but that, that was so bad. It, it really <laughs> was. I, and my big problem with that was it felt like we had scenes missing. It felt like that we were just going from yeah. this one place to the next. like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. what, how did we get here? And then they explain yes. like this whole big thing at the end about this resolution. And it's like, what, what are you
3: talking about? What is happening <laughs> right now? Right. It's never, it never feels earned. And no. I would have liked it to feel earned because that was a legitimate way for it to go, in my opinion. But I, I felt the exact <laughs> same way, Josh. I was like, "How the fuck did we get here?" And <laughs> again,
2: like, see. and it works in the novel where you can build out these things over a lot of time. But they just yes. because they're making a movie out of it, they had to skip and truncate. And even at two and a half hours, it feels like they're. Like, they're really rushing through, and I don't know how that's possible.
4: Yeah, <laughs> so it felt like think, they ran out of shooting time and yeah. needed to do a rewrite to just say, okay, well, just have this character explain everything that happens in these scenes that we didn't have time to shoot.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think either you know, they should have edited it way more and stuck with one storyline and told that as, their, as what they're going for, or we should have gotten a miniseries because it was way too much. But not at also not enough at the same time.
0: Yeah, it's also not helpful too that the very very beginning of the film is something that takes place later on, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of time in between those two uh, bookend moments. And I got to admit, the opening voiceover, the opening visuals, everything. I, I I think the movie did a really poor job of kind of even subtly hinting at what the hell was going on. I, I was like, I don't know. I couldn't get a sense of where this character was mentally. I couldn't get a sense of where he was physically. I couldn't get a sense of what was the chain of events that led him here. And obviously, I know we're not supposed to know necessarily. But like, I just found it so disorienting and confusing. And when they returned to that later on in the movie, once again, it was lacking a punch that made me feel the severity of it all. And Ansel Elgort, God bless him, he's trying. (laughs) He's trying, you know, to convey that level of emotion. He just
2: can't that voiceover oh Oh, lord and like it it doesn't help that I don't think it was it's a it's a lot closer to the tone of the novel but because they're not doing anything else in the dialogue that is in the tone of the novel he doesn't have time to build that voice for the character and it just doesn't work he can't do it yeah yeah
4: I could tell that that voiceover narration sounded like it was taken directly from the book. And because of that, it stuck out like a sore thumb and did not feel Mm -hmm. natural to this film at all. It felt like just lines of dialogue that are in the book and putting it to screen. And it did not fit at all with the
1: with what they were going for in the film. I think there were a lot of moments like that with a lot of different pieces of dialogue where I was like, Oh, humans don't speak that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was clearly (laughs) taken from the book. Uh, uh, The scene where uh, Kitsy... And the the name Kitsy. Give me a break. Uh, Kitsy (laughs) and are... uh,
2: (laughs) You have not been around a lot of upper-class New Yorkers. I guess not. not. Waspy. Sometimes
3: that was painful. Those names.
2: Kitsy. Welty. Hobie. That's really how they... how they name kids. It's
0: silly. (laughs) It's it's basically two syllables and you're done. (laughs) Put
1: them together. So much of this dialogue that just felt that felt off that scene with Kitsy and Theo where um they're having a very dramatic discussion. Uh so much of that dialogue was just hampered and down by the book. And yeah, I just I just could never break I could never get over that. Um
0: those are your final thoughts, Dan, or do you have more?
1: Oh, I have so many more final thoughts. Uh, no, I, I was I was actually excited for this. I, I'm disappointed because you can really feel you can feel the good movie that's that's there. You can feel the potential that's there because this this for me at least was not a was not a straight up misfire. Um, I thought the trailer, funny enough, the trailer, I thought was really good, um because it was a great mood setter. it was it was moody. It was emotional. And so it made me excited. And the thing that I kept thinking about the trailer was it never told you what the movie was about. And now I understand why <laughs> because the movie is not about anything other than a kid, you know, growing up kind of in a terrible situation. So <laughs> I, I'm just disappointed. i th- I think this could have been something could have been something really good. (sighs) All right. Other Dan.
2: (laughs) I, I mean, look, in my review, I call this, you know, an almost but not quite. And that's sort of, in many ways, those are the most painful movies, I think, to watch. Because of just what Other Dan was talking about. Like, you can feel, you can, like, palpably sense the good movie inside of this one that is just waiting to break out and struggling to and oh uh, it just doesn't and it sucks because all the potential is there all the potential is there and i just kept the whole movie i just spent the whole movie wishing that it was better um i i love the score i i just want to say that i i think the score does just as much work in terms of making this a beautiful sort of thing as deacon's photography does um other than that i think we've pretty much said it all
0: well maybe not uh we still got to hear from josh josh parm final thoughts i think the only
4: other thing that i would want to bring up and it's connected to problems that we've already had with the movie and that is the actual goldfinch itself the painting in this film and i always felt like that obviously this painting is supposed to be this giant metaphor for what's going on in the film. And I get that, you know, I get its placement and its use in the story, but I also felt like the film never really made its real importance known to these characters. And it felt to me like it was, that this painting was always something, it came back into the story and it was like, Oh yeah, there's that painting, but it never really got this, omniscient presence throughout the entire story for me and that was something that was also kind of frustrating especially when we get to that end scene with uh jeffrey wright and i agree with you jeffrey wright's doing so much great work there but it's all connected to this theme that i just have no personal connection with and to me that is something that is really a hindrance to everything in this story and it's what's really
0: lacking for me Ah oh, man, do I have anything else to add to this? Oakes Feagley is going to be great. Uh, just mm. Peach Dragon, Wonderstruck. This, I mean, if you haven't seen those other two films with him, I mean, he 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 is just someone to watch. I'm very very excited to see where his career goes. Oh, speaking of people uh, people's careers, always awesome to see Dennis O'Hare pop up in something. <laughs> Oh yeah, even if it's just for like one or two scenes, uh, he's becoming one of my favorite character actors lately. the most ridiculous. So I'm very, very happy that he uh, popped up for even a brief second.
4: Yeah, for a character who also then just went nowhere. yeah, yep. yep.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, ultimately, I do think this is a misfire. I did think it was a waste of my time. and I will probably never watch it again unless if we're, you know, I don't know, re-examining this year or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. Jesus Christ.
2: Uh, <laughs> Maybe it'll be a guest on when it is Oscar bus. <laughs> it, yeah, it
0: can only go up from here, right? The rest of the season, hopefully. Fingers crossed. We'll see. Crossed. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? There's always uh, one or two every season. And it, I think it's interesting to at least acknowledge that they were here. We talk about them and we move on. So with that said, the grade. Dan Baer. What grade would you give the goldfinch?
2: I um, I went back and forth a lot on this one, and ultimately, what pushes me just above a five to a six is the fact that I never hated it while I I was watching it. Even though it felt long, there were I still felt that I got something out of it, and that. I never wanted to stop watching it. I don't know if that makes sense at all. but No,
0: it doesn't. I'm, I'm like so confused by what you're saying right now. <laughs> all I'm getting is you like the book and you maybe had more of a connection to it than others as a result, I would guess.
2: I, I mean, maybe that's part of it. I, the book was just me like I kept wanting it to be better than it was. I hate that it wasn't better than it was, but I'm. I lean ever so slightly more positive on it than negative, I guess. So I am at a six. It's a week six, but it's a six. All right. All right. Katie.
3: I felt like this was because of the great performances, how gorgeous it is, the score in regards to the story, I'm giving it a five out of 10 because I felt like those pushed Mm. it up to being middle of the road, but it's totally lacking in bringing it all together and making it truly interesting to watch. So it is exactly down the middle for me.
0: Okay. All right. Josh Parm.
4: Well, I do agree that there are elements to this film that are somewhat engaging. I do like many of these performances. I think it is well shot. The music's good, but it does come down to the story for me and It was such a struggle to connect with this story that that was really the element that I took away from the film. I just really could not get into it, and it felt overly long and disengaged because of that. So my ultimate grade is a 4 out of 10. It's not an all-out disaster, but it is also not a very good movie either.
1: All right. All right. Dan Howitt. I actually do agree with Dan when he said uh, that he didn't hate it. When he was watching it, and that's how I felt. I, I, I never hated this movie. Um, I think we've kind of all alluded to to there are a lot of enjoyable pieces to this film. They just unfortunately don't add up to anything. And but those pieces are still enjoyable. So as I was watching, I still uh, had things that I enjoyed. I still had hope that it was going somewhere, and just unfortunately never got there. And so for me, I I also give it a five out of ten um, because it's it's just not it's not awful. It's just uh, unfortunately forgettable.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as I've said before, when you have uh, a a crew of talent like this put together for something, for me, I think that while I wouldn't say it's one of the worst films I've seen this year, because that's like definitely not true, I think sometimes that level of disappointment that can come from knowing that what you had the potential to achieve was just squandered for. Who knows the reasons, you know? There could be a multitude of different reasons. It could just be that this is a story that belonged on the page and didn't belong on the screen. And some books are just, you know, when they say like, oh, it, they say it's impossible to adapt, but they did it. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, it worked out this time. Sometimes it just doesn't work out.
3: Not everything is Lord of the Rings.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm not saying that this was like a, a considered impossible to adapt because clearly it's not. It's just there are some things that work better on the page. Pure and simple. And I could totally see, even without having read it, while watching it, I got this sense of this would be a page-turning story. I would be really, really connected to wanting to know more about this kid and what's going on in his life. And I, I definitely felt invested in that sense. But as a movie, at two and a half hours long, even though it's shot by probably the world's greatest cinematographer alive, I was still left empty and disappointed by it in the end, which is why... I'm giving it the worst rating on the show here. I'm giving it a three out of 10. Oof.
1: Ooh. Wow. Shows. Wow.
3: Who knew that when the weekend that uh, this comes out, Hustlers would be the far, far, far better film.
1: <laughs> with with <laughs> greater Oscar chances.
0: I was going to say, who, with greater Oscar chances. That's insane. I mean, but hey, you know, sometimes that's just the way it works out. So, you know, it's like a metaphor for life. You know, sometimes <laughs> things just happen. You can't really explain it. And credits. Off you go, people.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Wasn't that great? Two and a half hours?
3: <laughs> Just think about it. You'll get it eventually. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to get.
0: <laughs> Alrighty. As far as the Oscar potential is concerned, though, I mean, do we think Deacons gets a nomination for this? I don't the know, thing I is, he's competing against it, himself yeah. for in <laughs> nineteen
1: seventeen. So I would say, if if it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for the fact that he had another movie coming out, I would say I wouldn't write him off. Right, but, because uh, in
0: two thousand and seven, No Country for Old Men and Assassination of Jesse James were both critically well received movies. It's not like this scenario where, and we don't know what's going to be the case with nineteen seventeen, obviously. But let's assume one gets critically well received and the other here obviously didn't. I don't think that that's a recipe for still. Automatic box check nomination for Deacons for two slots, you know?
2: Yeah. He, but it is the best cinematography I've seen this year.
0: Yeah. He's
2: uh well not for me, but it's close. Sure. Okay. I would
4: not I just wouldn't write him out because he yeah. is Roger Deacons and yeah. that branch in particularly does love hims and they will nominate him for bad movies and clearly the movie's well shot. So I, I don't know if it's Something that is like a definite. It certainly isn't. But be, just because it's Roger Deakins, I can't write it off completely just because of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Does anybody know off the top of their head uh, what his a nomination came for, like his worst reviewed movie? I don't know all that off the top of my head. I'm broken? Yeah. Oh, that's probably true. Yeah, that's probably it. No, yeah. I mean, I mean,
0: could be the reader too. You never know. That wasn't really the most well-reviewed movie.
1: I know, I know. Not I'm not just broken, saying. I'm just saying. Yeah.
0: I mean, he's definitely got some in there, I'm sure. Um, gosh, now you got me mentally.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm like scrolling through. Yeah, it looks like it's, It looks like Unbroken is probably his uh, worst reviewed. I mean, the man who wasn't there didn't get great reviews either.
4: But that won ASC that year, too. So
1: Yeah, for, yeah and,
0: and the BAFTA.
4: Yeah, he almost won for that movie. Jesus.
0: All righty, all righty. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Dan Baer, where can they find you on the internet?
2: Find me on Twitter at Dance to Dan on Film.
0: Daniel Howitt.
1: You can find me on Twitter at HowittDK. It's H O W A T D K. You can also find me on my main show, The Screeners Podcast. Josh Parham.
4: You can find me on Twitter at JR Parham.
0: And Katie Schaefer.
3: You can find me on Twitter at KT underscore Schaefer.
0: And you can find me in Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of The Goldfinch here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, Castbox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, let us know what you think of the show. We really, really appreciate your feedback as well as your support, which you can lend on over to us at Patreon for one dollar minimum a month. You can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always and we shall see you all next time.